Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And we're back. Hi. It's been two years since we last podcasted. It's been an age. It has been a a long time. It's been so long that we couldn't remember when, (laughs) and so we had to go by (laughs) pop culture milestones. Movie releases. We're like, what didn't we talk about? Okay, so what did we decide on? When was the last time we recorded? I don't know. I don't think we ever came to a real conclusion. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was the Christmas, like the the chart thing with the the oh, tournament. the movies? Thing. Yes. Woo. I think. I mean, I, I'll look it up. I don't know. Are people still subscribed? People were asking us. Wow. For, so it's not that we have There's a lot that's happened. It, yeah. It feels like it's been a very, very long time. It's not that we didn't want to record. We've actually tried several times. We've mm-hmm. been like, tomorrow, and then we just didn't because it's been... This year feels like so far it's been especially... What do I hear? Voices. Whose voices? January 19th. Oh. Bob got a dog. That's what you talked about. Oh, oh! Well, you got a whole nother dog in the I did. meantime. I did get a whole nother dog. Um, hmm, crazy. Well, I I don't know. Anyway, so uh, book of Boba Fett. Did you like it? Um, is like as a whole, as a do, do I have to put the whole thing? We're gonna. I think we'll go through all of the big things that we've missed. That we've missed. Okay. That people I think wanted to hear from us about. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll do like lightning round. Sure. Okay. Book of Boba Fett. I liked all the Mandalorian stuff. Word. Um, I liked the beginning of the Tuscan stuff. Like, oh, cool, some backstory. Oh, I see. This, uh, yeah, I got it. And then it was just like, kept, well, kept being backstory. Okay, that's enough. Yep. And then these people have shiny things on a planet that's made of dust. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know. I grew. When tired it was over, I was just like, cool, it's over. When they had the kids riding the space Vespas. Yeah. I was like, nah. and I mean, it was a clever little mods nah. to mods thing, but like, sure, whatever. That that's the wrong planet. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, when the Mandalorian showed up, I got excited. Yeah, because Boba Fett was slow and boring and very repetitive, and didn't hold my attention. He talked too much, way too much. He shouldn't talk that much. Shouldn't have his helmet off that much. Because yeah. it just like. The allure went away. The allure was gone. Exactly. The only allure that Boba Fett ever had, even in the original movies, was he had a cool suit. And when you take that Mystery. suit away, it's just like, oh, you're just a dude yeah. who got bumped that one time. And I don't really understand what his motivation was. Neither do I. He was supposed to be like a godfather, but he wanted to be like, I am a just godfather. But like, that's, that's, yeah. Meh. I'll go watch the Sopranos. I, I can't actually kill people. I was kind that. of hoping there was some ulterior motive that he was, that was driving the whole thing as to what he was actually wanting to get, some higher thing. And then it just never happened. The thing I took away from it the most is that I want my own personal back to tank. Oh, yeah. I've slept underwater before, and it's great. And the whole time, every time they would do that, I'm like, oh, they're going to do another flashback. Yeah. But, like, I just want to sleep, you know, underwater (laughs) tube. I just want to (laughs) sleep. Yeah. I want my own personal underwater tube that I could take a nap in. Makes sense. Let me figure out how to make that happen. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there was Book of Boba Fett. There was Spider-Man. Uh, no Way Home. Yes. Lightning. Uh, it was great. I loved it. Fantastic movie. I don't think I had quite the reaction that everybody else had to it. I did really, really like it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like you seem to absolutely love it. And a lot of people are like, it's the best Marvel movie ever. And I'm like, eh, I mean, I really liked it. But I don't know about that. It was, uh, I went Thursday with the True Believers. Mm. And there was cheering and there was yelping. That's and there was fun. like ambient emotions. When Daredevil showed up, I got all excited, and, like, the two other people who cared about Daredevil in the movie theater got all excited. Um, 
Oh, I don't know. We haven't talked about it here. Oh, at Spider-Man, credits rolled, movies all done. I went with my whole family. Like, I'm in a seat. My kids are to my left, my three kids. My wife is to my right. And then there's other just people. Theater was packed. Older lady sitting next to my wife. And uh, my daughter comes around. I was like, okay, yeah, it's time to go. That was cool, Spider-Man, huh? And this lady, I, I hear my wife and this lady on her right, so two seats over from me, like talking back and forth. And I don't really care because there are people who are not me. I generally don't care about people who are not me. <laughs> Find it's best to stay out of other well, people's affairs. Everybody knows who Josh is now. <laughs> so I heard like, does she go to school? And she's like, oh, no, they're homeschooled. And she, does she go to this church? And she's like, no, she doesn't. She's like, I've seen that girl before. So we're talking about my daughter. I'm like, well, this is weird and creepy. I'm, let's just go so we can leave. And uh, the lady I hear is like, are y'all on the internet? I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? And this older lady calls up her, like, six-member deep family. That is them from the internet. And my wife's like, oh, yeah, this is Joy. And I have my I Like to Make Stuff hat on because I'm a dum-dum who that's, like, the only hat apparently I wear. And I am indistinguishable. Without my hat. But when I put the hat on, it's like a, a cape. She's like, it is you guys from the internet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is weird. It made me feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. So the movie was fantastic. Uh, it got snubbed at the Oscars, which I think was kind of messed up. Hmm. Got a little choked up a couple times during the movie. Oh, it yeah. was great. Totally. Whole range of emotions. It was funny. It was sad. It was action-packed. It answered what everybody wanted answered. Five stars. Yeah. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again. What else happened? Uh, I mean, we don't have to go in order, but we went to see Batman last night. We did. That's the newest thing. So we can just skip over all the other stuff that we've obviously forgotten. Yeah, it wasn't good enough to... We went to WorkbenchCon. Oh, yeah. that was We good. saw people at WorkbenchCon. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, we hired a new person. Yes, she's in the room with us. Megan's we, on the couch over there. Yeah, watching us. Kind of just weird. staring at us. She told me it, to put, <laughs> if you're watching, that plant right there in that location is all her. So Megan joined the team, Good what, job. two weeks? This is her second week? Yep. Second week. And she's running our marketing. She's doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, fits right in. And so our team is growing, which is super cool. That was a big change. Mm-hmm. She went to WorkbenchCon with us and got mm-hmm. to meet a bunch of people in the community. Uh, it was really cool. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we went to WorkbenchCon. <laughs> WorkbenchCon was great. Uh, we got to see a lot of people. It was the first time being back in a large group of people in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Strange, but fine. It was okay. How did you do with that? So my experience at WorkbenchCon, for those people that I interacted with, I might have been a touch aloof, and I apologize. Aloof. When we got there, I was feeling kind of sick and gross. I didn't have the COVID, but I felt kind of gross. And then there was issues with the hotel about where we were staying. We bounced all back and forth. It was ridiculous. It was me. So I felt really nasty. And... um so the room full of huge people, I had zero desire to go into the room full of huge people because I felt kind of gross. And so I, I hung out in like the atrium. I was talking to Paul Jackman for a while, Ben from Woby Design. I was talking to him. And then I slowly kind of like went back and started talking to everybody else. And like our little click at WorkbenchCon, our little nerdy kid click was really good to talk to. Um, but then we gave a class and – I was done with the class, and I was just kind of mentally done. I wanted a vacation, and that was really stupid and naive of me to think that a big event like that full of a bunch of people could be a vacation. Uh, And so, I don't know. I just kind of walked around and meandered all about with very little direction. 
I started talking to some people, started talking to some brands and hooked up brands with other people. It was a good time. Yeah. It was weird to be with that many people. I think a lot of times in groups like that anyway, I I would rather stay in a small group. You know, I would rather just be with a few people that I know or whatever. And so walking into a room that's really big, full of a couple hundred people, I'm, I immediately walk in and I'm looking for the small group. I'm looking for the people <laughs> that I know here that yeah. I can immediately go to and just like be comfortable at that table with those people. I don't mind meeting other people, but I have that feeling of I just want to find my peeps, you know, and just go sit down. And, and so – Your peeps. No peeps. Oh, God. And Shot a piece across the table. I walked into that room and just like didn't really see anybody that I knew. There were a lot of people at WormFitchCon that I did not know this year. a couple year. hundred people uh, all together and very, very few that I – was able to recognize. Yeah. Maybe that's another reason why I'm like, well, I don't need to be in this room anymore and just kind of walked around. Yeah. But I remember walking in and being like, oh, hmm, I might have trouble finding my group this time. <laughs> and I didn't. I mean, eventually, you know, it was it was fine. But it was the first time I, to go to an event like that and walk in and just be like, I don't, I don't know anybody or I don't you know, nobody knows me or whatever. And it was a little bit weird, but ended up being a good time, uh-huh. a good trip. And let's see. What else? So we did WorkbenchCon. And people wanted to know, I guess there was a touch, not controversy is not the word, but at the end of WorkbenchCon, there was the closing <laughs> ceremony thing. So WorkbenchCon was kind of crazy because there's not like, there wasn't an MC, and so there was, communication was not great. And so like when you got up to give your keynote, you just kind of like walked up on stage and eventually somebody handed you a mic and then when you were done, you just kind of, you could set that mic on the floor and just yeah, kind of walk off. It was... That was a little weird. But. Well, the closing ceremonies at the other ones have always been this like very uplifting, like go do good things, huzzah, like big, like crescendo. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way. And to we go. went into the, I don't know, like this bigger room with a stage that was erected, and there was this like crude brand of like a a deer up on the thing and people couldn't figure out what was going on. There were some people that were like sitting in some seats, like there was going to be like a panel discussion, which is weird for a closing ceremony. Cause again, usually it's like a, a motivational kind of speaking thing. And, uh, the, apparently it was a show or a pilot for a show called pimp my deer camp, which was a, apparently a working title. I saw pimp my deer camp and I saw the writing on the wall and decided to leave very quickly and so Megan and Anthony and I went and got a beer and hung out in the lobby away from that. And then eventually we just saw big groups of people walking out with <laughs> disappointed exodus. looks and laughing under their breath. And so I think the, whatever, the last day after that, when everybody was kind of hanging out, that was really fun. Yeah. I should have had more fun, but I decided just to walk around and like not care as much. Well, so I mean, that it's, was kind of, on me. it's kind of a balance too. I mean, you were feeling bad for a lot of it. Like yeah. physically feeling about it. But it's also a balance at an event like that to be engaged and also just like be a part of the event. There's a like there's a different thing to walk around and actively look for people to engage with and you know, or if, whether it's brands or just other creators or whatever. And there's that thing. And then there's also just, I just want to walk through a room and get from one place to another and not engage because yeah. I need a break in between the engagements. And, I mean, you got to kind of balance that. And a lot of times when there's a lot of people or there's people that want to come find you or talk to you about something, you don't get to control your engagement as much. It's like you walk into a room and you get engaged whether you want to or not sometimes. So, I guess with this one, I tried a lot more to control my own agenda. Hmm. 
because I I knew that I wanted to have a like a little breakaway moment. That's up my lip. Anthony and I talked about sneaking away and like just having some time just to kind of hang out the two of us because it has been really crazy busy around here. And so I just like looked around the area and I'm like, oh, there's a comic book store, which we can talk about that too. If yeah. We to. You guys just um, did cool stuff without me. And then no big deal. there was a micro center down the way and we've been fine. doing micro center ads and we've never actually been to a micro center. Yeah, that would have been cool. Thanks. I for... told you. <laughs> you did not. It was, I put it on the message. <laughs> Anthony's shaking his head. <laughs> So Megan's making this no is another, we're, we're split 50-50 in the room. This is another interesting thing. So, like, we were, as a group, for people listening, we were there as a team, but all kind of spread out. Everybody, you know, doing different things or whatever. But we're on Slack the entire time. So there's, like, Slack messages going around about who is where and who's doing what. But the reception was terrible. Yeah. So it was very laggy. <laughs> it, was, it was in and out. And I would, like, not pay attention to messages for a while because I was doing other stuff. But, yeah, so I never got that one. No. But we took an Uber to the comic book store, and then we went to Micro Center. Which was pretty neat. Yeah. I was very surprised at the Micro Center. I went in with Radio Shack vibes. Mm. It was going to be a bigger Radio Shack. Right. Which it pretty much was, but... what? <laughs> so I was right. Well, what people wanted Radio Shack to do instead of them just oh, starting right. to sell yeah. cell phones nonstop. Yeah. Right. And it was packed with people. Like, That's surprising. Yeah. There's That's like an entire aisle good, of like good. deep cut like graphics cards. You could build the gaming PC of your life with on those four aisles. And there's an aisle of... Non, uh, like, man, there's a whole section of, like, the just like we talk about in the ads, like the RetroPie arcades that are pre-built. They had some Raspberry Pis. They had a bunch of LED stuff. So Radio Shacky components. Or you can go over to the Apple section and buy a brand new MacBook. Or you can walk over to the Dell section and buy that and or all the components to build you know, your own. And so we went in and got our free 128 micro um yeah, they're not paying for this podcast. So yeah, we it, got free stuff. So you went like to, we claimed you could get free stuff, and I wanted to test it. You proved it. Yeah, I want to talk about comic books because this is something you like outside of the work stuff. You've been personally more excited about comic books lately, and you went to I a comic have. book store. So that comic book store was sad. Hmm. Did not have a lot of comic books. I was like, "Where's your uh, Spider Man section?" Spider, and he was like, "Spider who?" It's in that box underneath the table. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." Do you have any of these? Uh, no. How about this uh, guy? No. Those three racks of Archie comics right there are yeah. on sale. Apparently he said that they had just had some kind of big convention and they took a whole bunch of their older stuff and took it to the convention and it was gone. Hmm. But that didn't hold a lot of water for me because, again, they had no Spider-Man comics, which seems silly. They had some tabletop game stuff, so I got the kids a new game. Um, Sean Joliker, a friend of mine from the Making Geeks podcast, recommended a game called Castle Panic. It's a cooperative game that you can play, and you have, like, a little castle that you build in the center of, like, a bullseye-shaped map with different rings, and then monsters progressively try to attack uh, and destroy your castle, and you have to kill them. It's really cool. Kids super like it. So I recommend that game. But uh, comic books, you've gotten yeah. – you've started collecting. Yeah. And you're spending money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I don't know if Tiffany listens to this round. I mean – you I thought about, on the street. I, you, you thought about spending money, and then it turns out that a good friend a, just gave you a bunch. I'm of a them. foster parent for comic books. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's so they good needed a right good there. home, and they were they were being mistreated elsewhere. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you got to do the right thing. So you bring them back. That's right. Uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before. The 
I don't know how, but randomly I found the Punisher War Machine series where Punisher took War Machine's armor. And I had the entire series, but I didn't find number one. And every comic book store I would go to, I'd try to find it, and no one had it. I found it on eBay, and it was $50. I was like, I don't spend $50 on a single comic book. And then I looked at related ones, and one of the other ones I found was worth $60. And I had it. And I just thought it was just a book that I bought for like six bucks somewhere. I'm like, oh, so there's a potential investment opportunity yeah. with comic books. Uh, this is news to the entire world. I don't know if anybody else found this, that comic books apparently have value <laughs> and you can sell them. And so I, I got the incomplete War Machine series now, which felt really good cool. as a you know completionist. Yeah. Like it's done. And then I just kind of kept going. And... <laughs> I remember who I was talking. I think I was talking to my wife. When I was younger, I used to do Taekwondo and my the lady down the street, I would get off the bus, she would drop me off, and then my parents would pick me up after work. So right across the hallway from my Taekwondo dojo or whatever it was called was a comic book store. And I would go over there and just like read all the comics. And the guy had a little box with my name on it and he would put all the Spider-Man stuff in it. And during that time it was during the the clone saga. Ooh. It's where there's Spider-Man and there's Ben Riley who was a different kind of Spider-Man. And so I was all about it. I had a whole bunch of them and for whatever reason, my non-clutter liking self or we, we didn't move. I got rid of them and didn't really care less. Couldn't care less about getting rid of them. And now I kind of want them back. And of course, there's an entire series, there's an entire storyline and I want to read the storyline again. And there's like a bunch of them. <laughs> there's a three different like epochs of comics to tell this one story. So we talked a little bit about this the other day, like offline, but the digital comic thing, is that, do you think that's an option for, to be able to read them all, like go the digital route and then just collect the printed ones of like your favorites or, you know, cause I mean, you can that read every comic, sense. Ever, <laughs> you can read every comic ever made. Like, and, and I'm saying that because I have this exact same problem. Uh -huh. I have the thing where like, I would love to have every Star Wars figure carded. I, there's, that's stupid. Yeah. And there's no need oh, that's for that's it. That's stupid. It's awesome. But there's there's no reason to do that. Sure. And it would be insanely expensive. So the way I thought about it when I was like thinking about that type of toy collecting, like on the card, mint kind of thing, let me pick one and I will spend money on one awesome figure. And then yeah. I'll get reproductions of the other ones because they look cool or whatever. So I have an Empire Strikes Back carded R2-D2. It is crispy it is very very nice in a box uh like in a case and stuff and then any other you know stuff that i buy like old figures i just buy the cheapest one that looks decent because then i get to have it and it's cool to have yeah. but i you know so you could kind of go that route where you like you just collect the printed ones of your favorite run or your favorite whatevers and so i am doing that yeah so i'm doing that in layers so yeah. i'm not collecting comic books as oh, a huge yeah. banner. Got it. It's not all Spider-Man comics. It is this particular storyline. But I it's still a lot. Like it's it's multiple lines within that same clone thing, right? Well, it Do got really that? stupid. Okay. So instead of going like Spider-Man 1 through 20, they the first one was in Web of Spider-Man. The second one was Amazing Spider-Man. The third one was Spectacular Spider-Man. So they spread the story out over like oh, four different lines of of branded comic. And so you just part of it is the the treasure hunt of it all. Yeah. Um, part of it is like the cohesive storyline because I wanted to know that whole storyline again. 
And then there are a few in there. So my favorite Spider-Man character was the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley. And so this in the this line, there is the very first Ben Riley, and that comic is one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. But I found it for far less than that. And so there is like the the tentpole ones, like you're saying, that I want to get the nice ones because they're worth money. Hmm. And the others are supporting characters just to kind of fill out the thing. So like some of them are $5 or $3 or whatever. And some of them I haven't even read. And some of them, the cover art looks way better than the story art. Yeah. So yes, I am trying to limit my uh, infatuation. Mm -hmm. I started to go down the Daredevil, uh, the whole two, because I wanted to, there's one that... Um, what's his name? Brian? No, not Brian Cox. Who played Daredevil? Cox. Is that uh, Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox was talking about him being a Daredevil fan. And there was one where Peter Parker dressed up as Daredevil and uh-huh. Matt Murdock had to cross-examine Daredevil in costume, like in court, because he was going to go to jail. So I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I want that one. Yeah. So I like Daredevil and Spider-Man and I have a lot of comics where they intertwine. Hmm. And so I found that one. And I'm like, well, if I find that one... I kind of want to know what happened a little bit before and a little bit after, but I stopped. But the other day we were looking in here and I have, I I think I went wrong when I I created a checklist. If I create a checklist for anything, it becomes an infatuation just to check the things off the list. So I have in my notes app, the Spider-Man comics that I need and I strike through them to be done. Need. That's it. It's just to be done. So, and for some reason, I mean, if one comic is $50, the whole story must be at least $10,000. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but no one out there needs the entire story. They yeah. need ones and twos to finish their story. Yeah. And so there's a flaw in my logic, but I'm going to keep I'm going to keep pressing through it to a point. So I'll encourage you in your spending in a bad way. So the other day, <laughs> so the other day, uh my oldest son, I, I was we were at the, at the store, and he was like, hey, look at these Lego. There's, like, a new Lego set for the Mandalorian helmet and for this X-Wing helmet and this Dark Trooper. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have those at the house. He's like, what? They just came out. And I'm like, yeah, I pre-ordered them. I mean, they showed up. <laughs> it's no big deal. And so, like, later on, I mean, because I, like, I look at – I love Lego stuff. And I, I look at – Every time I come to that shop, you have a new there's pile. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a, it's a thing that I want to – I don't know, whatever. So, later on that night, we were at home, and – we're sitting around talking and he, he joked about like, man, I wish like, why don't you buy me some of that stuff? Like you buy all these sets for yourself. And Jenny jumps in and she was like, well, hang on a minute. A lot of people will go to Starbucks or wherever every day and they buy a five, $6, you know, thing of coffee. And that's part of how they start their morning and they really enjoy it. And they, whatever, or people, you know, go to the gym and they do this thing. She's like, your dad likes to build Lego. And so instead of spending money on coffee every day, he buys a Lego set. And then he works on it at night when we're sitting down and talking. And she like totally stepped in for me and like justified this thing that I've never asked permission for or anything. It's just a thing that I do. And she was like, she understood why I like them and how it's, it's kind of my hobby. It's a thing that I do to unwind at night. And so I guess the way I'm trying to encourage you is that you don't waste money on coffee drinks or, you know, other, other, like you don't throw away money towards things. And so as an adult who has worked for (laughs) Megan's trying to slide underneath all the cameras, I think 
No, I dropped a brown oh, piece on our brown carpet. Oh, not get it. Anyway, you don't do a lot of other things that are wasteful. Yeah. And as an adult who has worked their life to be able to have the life that they want, putting money into something that you enjoy for the sake of enjoying it is absolutely okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything else should suffer because of it, but I like yeah. No, I, I think I think a lot of times as adults we're like, yeah, but I should put myself after this other thing, and I should put myself after this other thing. Yes, but also it's okay to put yourself like I really want this thing, and I can afford it, and I'm not going to go in debt for it or anything like that. Yeah, and it's okay. You know, I think that's okay. I I will put some of the onus on my children. <laughs> Or blame. I, I'm shifting. Yes. I am are. projecting. So I had, <laughs> I would say, a handful of comics. The um, War Machine ones I've kind of collected here and there. They're not very expensive. But I put them down in the office. And so mm-hmm. if my kids go down into the office, they play with my Centurion toys that are old from 1986. And they read all my comics. And I'm like, just put them back. But yeah. I had no way to kind of keep them safe. They're just like in a stack in a little Ikea nook. And then one of them, like, the cover got completely ripped off. I was like, I, I did not view them as a commodity. It was just something that I wanted to have and I wanted to read. Yeah. Some people like a lot of books. I like comic books. Like stories are cool. And I'm like, well, come on, guys. If you're going to, like, use my stuff, don't break it. Yeah. And then I looked at it and I'm like, they're never going to take care of these. If I got a comic book, I would usually take it out of the sleeve and just read it and just stack it up in a thing. That was my level of... Of uh, kind of uh, how to how to keep them precious. It was yeah. a story, not yeah, a commodity. Yeah, yeah. And so the more I found that they were ripping them up, I'm like, well, I need to keep these safe. And so I looked on Etsy, and there's a bunch of laser cut like comic book boxes. Then you made a comic book box and video. I was like, well, I should just make a box, and I'll just keep them in the box. I'm like, well, I'm gonna make a box. I need to label it because I'm me, and I'm gonna label the thing. I'm like, well, if I'm going to label it, then they all need to be uniform. So I guess I should buy some boards and some sleeves and just unify them all. <laughs> and then when I started doing that, I'm so like. You probably make them out of gold. Well, if I have this one and that one, but not that one in the middle of that one, I wonder how much the one in the middle of that one is. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's only like five bucks. I'm like, okay. Well, if I have that one and now I just bought the one in the middle of that one and that one. Yeah. Well, how many more of these are there? Oh, there's only like. 12. 12 is a manageable number of something that costs like $5 over time. Yeah. And if it's a scavenger hunt kind of thing, I'm like, okay, this is actually kind of fun. Yeah. And then I like scrolled down on my like how many comics are there in the clone saga and it just kept going. Mm. And so of the 12 or whatever, the first kind of chunk, I have like three of them left. And I'm like, yay. And then I found another random one I had back in the back. I'm like, well, where's this guy go? It goes the third like chapter down. No. I'm like, well, that's a big gap that apparently I need to close that gap. (laughs) It's the Louisiana purchase gap that I have. I've got all the 13 colonies are almost done. And then someone's like, hey, how about Oregon? I'm like, well, I think I've got Oregon. (laughs) Oh, now you need to fill the rest of the country. Okay, crap. The treasure hunt thing is a lot of fun. And I think, you know, as someone who's collected toys most of my life, that is a big part of it. Having the thing is, is cool. Yeah. Finding the thing yep. is really cool. I mean, I used to love when I was single and, you know, in college, like me and a couple of friends of mine who would go out and, you know, I've talked about this before, we'd go out at midnight to Walmart to find when the toys were being put on the shelves and get the hard to find stuff and all that. But we would also like 
challenge each other. I bet you can't find the gun from whatever toy, whatever, whatever. And it would be a lot of fun to just go on eBay and search for like 80s toy lots. And then look at these pictures where you have like a table just covered in random garbage from the 80s. And you're like, wait a minute. I know it's this kind of blue. It has this kind of shape on it. And you're like looking through all the pictures. And we actually found some stuff that way. Like expensive stuff that was just in a pile of other garbage. And I mean, it's fun. I don't know. Yeah, that was the Centurion toys. Hmm. Like you got me one for Christmas. We were at Maker Fair. Somebody gave me one. So now it's, I have to find all the little pieces to have a complete set. You're and close though, right? I'm missing one, a half of one little piece. Ooh. And trying to find the half of that. It's a two-part piece that pivots. And so it's a thing that mounts on his shoulder. And I can't find it. And I was feverishly looking for it for quite a while. And then the world got to me and my kids got to me and I just stopped kind of caring and then they started playing with it. And I don't want those to be like a thing to put in a display case because they're fun to play with. Like, yeah. I want to play with them now. I want to 3D print stuff to attach to them now to make them cooler than they were. Mm. So those I don't want to, to like, commemorize or put in a museum. Yeah. The comic books, though, once they rip the cover off that one, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like now. I don't know what the, co- the cover art is dope. Yeah. And that's also part of the allure is it like, okay, I need to find – Spectacular Spider-Man 396. It's some just random thing. But then as I find it, it's it's a surprise what it is. Hmm. It's like if you were going to go in. Like when uh, when Brady does the thing in the Royal Society, you pull out a card catalog. Oh, yeah. Then you go down and you discover it's some magical, like, amazing piece of history. Same thing. You put it in some just benign title. And there's some awesome cover with, like, Daredevil and Spider-Man, like, racing across the skyline. I'm like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I buy it because <laughs> I did. I in college okay. I went back to comic books for a little while, and I I got into Daredevil again. Actually, probably Daredevil for the first time. I don't know that I read Daredevil growing up. I was really into Batman and a few other things. Um, we we never talked about Batman. We got to get back to Batman. But I tried really hard to get back into comic books, like current books at the time, mm-hmm. not going backwards to stuff that I, when I was a kid, but, and at the time I just couldn't really justify the money of like, I'm going to go every week and buy three or four comic books because I was in college and was poor. And, um, and then ever since then, when I've thought about going back to it, I'm like, yeah, that's just another, it's just another hole. <laughs> like I'm going to go back and just do another thing, spend a bunch of money on it. And I kind of go in and out of toys in the same way where I'm like, you know, get really interested in collecting a few things, and then I'm like, man, I got to stop putting so much money into this place. So, it, you know, it can be a thing that you do for a while, and then step away from for a while, and then come back to for a while. And the comic book store opened up downtown. I saw that yesterday for the first time. I didn't know where it was. It made it worse. No, I saw it. If the comic book stores around here were like the comic book store in Atlanta that we went to WorkbenchCon, I wouldn't care about comic books. <laughs> I would have went, oh, this is sad. I guess that thing I had a long time ago is actually in the landfill and it's never coming back. Yeah. And walked away. So. Okay. Batman. 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 So, uh, what did you think? Oh, no. Where did, did that go? Did you have the go? same thing? What it, that for? just disappeared. Oh, you can see it? I don't know. What is it? That's a Lego. Nope. <laughs> That's wrong. We're still trying to work on the Mandalorian model. Oh, man. There's a silver piece of the Mandalorian somewhere. There's in a this room. rubbery piece. 
Megan is Do making squealy noises down there. She's, she's pointing at it under the table, and I can't see it. Can't see either. This is fantastic podcasting, people. Hold on. She's pointing. Dun, 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 dun. This, that's a dead bug. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, this, that. Got it. Thank you. Did you find mine? Got it. Thank you, Megan. Um. Anyway. Did you, oh, she found mine, too. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Who knew we needed such help yeah, podcasting? Yeah, for real. <laughs> Crazy. Apparently, podcasting is a two- uh, additional employee <laughs> endeavor. Yeah. So, what were we talking about? Batman. 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 So, we went to the Batman. The Batman. Uh, with Cedric Diggory. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and. Not Danny DeVito. Yep. <laughs> the guy from There Will Be Blood. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus? Yeah, John Turturro was the the dude. He played Jesus. Oh, the Jesus. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Anyway. That's right. So, uh, speed round. What did you think of it? I thought it was great. It was dark. Yeah. Which, like, I wasn't looking for movies to be dark, but it's a DC comic book movie, yeah. so they're going to make it dark unnecessarily. It was dark. Uh, <laughs> you said that. <laughs> so, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm, I'm make... uh, you're going to say the same thing I'm going to say. Go for it. I think that Cedric Diggory, besides... Um, Michael Keaton is the best Batman. I think he's the best Batman. He did it. We're getting eyebrows. I mean, I I was thinking about this last night because I walked out going, that might be my favorite Batman movie. I was so, it's so weird. I was like, huh, this seems like a weird claim to say that that was my favorite yeah. Batman. Like, I shouldn't say that out right. loud. Yeah, it almost feels like sacrilegious. Mm. Like, it, you should all, I mean, like, it's Michael Keaton. But, like... That Michael, Ke- they're different things. They they're, are. they're entirely Very different, different things. things. But as a as a person who read Batman growing up, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of Batman comics. And some of them are goofy. You know, he fights the Joker and it's really silly and there's lots of big ridiculous things. But then some of it is is really heavy. Like I've got Killing Joke, uh, Death in the Family, yeah. and those are heavy books. Those are like people that you care about are dying. In front of you, on the page, as like an eight-year-old. It's heavy. And so that's what I think of when I think of Batman. And he's a detective. Detective comics. I've got a bunch of detective comics. He never detected anything. This is the first time, yeah, in any of the movies where it's like, he's going to walk into a room, look at a crime scene, and go, oh, I can see this, and I can see that. And I'm going to hold this piece of information until it becomes really important way down the road. And he totally did it. It was good. It was really, really, it was a little long. Yeah. But it was very, very good. What I thought was the weirdest thing was that he just, like, walked into a room. <laughs> Michael Keaton doesn't walk into rooms as Batman. Right. And he poofs away out of rooms. Yeah. Uh, Robert Pattinson was like, mm. and just turned around and just, like, walked out the door. There's this one one scene where he <laughs> walks up to a club <laughs> and, just, like, and knocks, knocks on, on the, the door. door. <laughs> and the guy opens the door and he goes, do you know who I am? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he shuts the door uh, and then a bunch of stuff happens. But uh, he just, like... Is Penguin here? He didn't come in through the skylight. Yeah, no, he knocked on the front door. It was awesome. The Christian Bale, like, you got to be the ninja and do all the... Uh, he was yeah. just like, he was a dude. And yeah. he fought like a dude when there were a bunch of other people. And he fought that, the scene where he was in the, the hallway looking scene. <sighs> it was awesome. It was so there cool. There was a fight scene by Muzzle Flash. That was the only light in the whole scene. It was super cool. Which, what, it seemed like an insane number of bullets were shot in that one oh, particular yeah. scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> to light the scene. But, man... You only saw, like, certain hits because there was only light from certain guns. Yeah, that was so cool. It was the very first Batman movie 
that painted uh, Bruce's parents in a potentially negative light. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because they were always these like mythical, like these mythical creatures that were stood for, yeah. for justice and good, but you never knew what they were. They were yeah. the lions on the hill. And it was like, oh, well, maybe your dad was not that way. Yeah. One thing, one downside, Robert Pattinson took his costume off and he's just Bruce Wayne. He looked like emo Bruce Wayne. But it totally works. I mean, Christian Bale didn't – he couldn't pull that off. So most of the movie, I'm like, okay, I get why they did it. Very logical choices, right? He's a he's a guy who dresses up like a bat if that's his logical choice you can get. Right. He has a, a utility belt with stuff. His utility belt was made with – Stuff that you would find off the shelf. It had like a little Leatherman holder, mm. not Bruce Wayne's or not uh, Michael Keaton's like reach behind your back and grab the grenade. Yeah. It seemed very utilitarian. In that whole like very practical, I'm making a thing to do a thing. Why would you have long hair when you got a leather leather cowl on a majority of the time? That seems like a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But at if the same time, he, he face, made it pretty obvious that he did not care about himself throughout the entire movie, that he was not. He wasn't keeping up appearances. He didn't care about going to places and looking like – and that was one thing that always kind of bothered me about the the Christian Bale thing. And I never really thought about it until I saw this one is that – and I was telling Anthony this earlier. When Christian Bale goes into Bruce Wayne mode, he's like, hey, party he's boy. real party yeah. boy, whatever. And this guy was broken the entire time. He did not care. He didn't switch modes. He just took off the suit. And he was just as jacked up mentally and, yeah. like, psychologically the entire time. Now, that was really good. Like, he he did a great job of making Bruce Wayne not okay, you know. And there were several things that they did differently that I noticed. Uh, you know, talking about him just, like, walking into a room. The fact that he and – that Batman and Gordon had a, a, almost, like, eye-to-eye – their peers? Yeah. yeah. It was a peer relationship instead of a just, I'm going to wait around until you tell me what to do. I'm going to yeah. turn on the signal and hope you show up. I mean, like, they were working together through most of it. And I thought that was really cool. Because it made him a little more useful and, like, Gordon a little more useful. Yeah. And then just be, like, the guy that flips the switch on the bat signal. Right. Um, what about we, the car? Oh, man. The car? Favorite uh, okay. Batmobile. So. That's my favorite Batmobile. The car. The car has a jet engine in it, like Batman, <laughs> Batmobiles do. Yeah. But this is the first time that it started up like a jet engine. With the whir? Yeah. yeah. So they had like an APU sound. Yeah. And so when it like, yeah. I was like, oh boy. It yeah. got me all excited because that's, cool. that's how jet engines start. They don't just like kick on and spout flame yeah. and fire. Um, I thought there were a lot of really nice callbacks to things, uh, to previous Batman verses. Um, there were certain times when you would see Batman and he would be like looking all ominous and the way that they made his cowl look like he had those two really thin eyebrows, like, oh, like um, Adam West, Adam West Batman. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that Alfred worked as much as they would, were hoping Alfred was going to work, hmm. but he was up against Sir Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of tough. Like that kind of hurt. Yeah, the the age difference between yeah, it, I didn't get it, that. It That's, didn't quite work. He yeah. seemed like a Alfred was a peer to his dad, and it he kind of painted him in like a bodyguard type conversation at one point. He was like, "I taught you how to fight, yeah, and I was there to protect your dad." And so I was like, "Is he a butler? Yeah. Is he like a 
I don't know, head of security. It was confusing. But all in all, like, really good movie. And I was surprised, like you said, that I was able to walk out and go, like, I think that might have been the best one. Yeah. Which I, The Dark Knight is one of my top three favorite movies, but not for Batman. Could have hmm. cared less that Batman yeah. was in that movie. Yeah. I think Batman was probably the worst character in that movie. Hmm. But he didn't have hockey pads. Like, <laughs> that whole thing was, was dumb and unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. And it took me out of the moment as, like, insane and pure and crazy as Heath Ledger was in that movie to be opposite Christian Bale in that movie, I don't, I don't think worked. Yeah. I think Robert Pattinson did a great job of being brooding and understated and just, like, tormented as Bruce Wayne and Colin Farrell. Talking about Colin Farrell as a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard the penguin was going to be in the movie, I'm like, Danny DeVito is penguin. Danny DeVito was the perfect penguin. Disgusting. He was, was gross. Perfect. It worked. It super worked. But the, he redid the penguin into this, like, mobster kind of thing. Which they never addressed why he was called the penguin. I thought that was kind of cool. He, at certain, like, vantage points, his nose was very... Yeah. Beaky. That when he was like he was bound at his hands and his feet, they made him like waddle. Oh, I didn't. But that was like they okay. didn't call yeah. him penguin. He yeah. was called penguin before, and I just thought that that was a funny little thing that they tried mm. to do. They left him with handcuffs around his feet. And <laughs> I didn't put that together. Around. That's awesome. But the whole time, I'm looking at this guy in makeup and a fat suit, and the act of like really hard like Brooklyn gangster kind of accent, yelling and screaming, and bleh. nowhere did I see Colin Farrell. Yeah. It was insane. And I was trying really hard and I didn't see it. And it was pretty great. And I didn't know if that was a good thing for him as an actor or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it would be a good thing for the makeup artist. I don't know if it was a good or bad thing for him. Like, I don't know if you're going to get an Oscar for being unrecognizable. I mean, they're actors. They're supposed to be something that they're not. Sure. You know? So, yeah, I could see that. But we had just watched, you and I were talking about in the parking lot when we were leaving. I had just watched The House of Gucci. With Lady Gaga and uh, Adam Driver. And Jared Leto was in it. And they put him in like a, a chubbier fat suit. And he was bald. And his hair was all disheveled. And he was like the member of the family who was like the idiot outcast. And he had this this Italian accent. And he did a fantastic job in the movie. But I could look at him. I'm like, oh, that's Jared Leto. Right. You could see it in the eyes and in the face. And like Tiff was like, what? No, that's not him. I'm like, it's him. He looks like it. <laughs> and so I just watched that. And so I was trying to find... Colin Farrell couldn't find him. Hmm. So it, it totally worked. I think the character worked. I think the storyline worked. The different mobster families earlier on in the movie was kind of confusing, but it they, they hashed yeah. it out toward the yeah. end. Yeah, I got some of the names confused. Yeah. But it was great. Um, something else I was going to mention. Oh, yeah. One thing I liked about his Batman portrayal was that he didn't do the, the uh, Christian Bale Batman voice. The growl. He, yeah. he didn't talk a lot. At all, which works. And but when he did talk, it was it was low and gravelly, but so was Bruce Wayne. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he just was like this. He was just mopey, you know. And so I at one point he was talking to some somebody, and I was like, oh, aren't they going to realize that he just like sounds just like Bruce Wayne because he, <laughs> he's not trying to hide it? But yeah. the fact that it stuck out that he wasn't trying to hide his voice st- stuck out to me, you know, and like it was important. Oh, that was good. The one thing that this movie did that no other movie did, and I'm glad that they finally did it, was they showed him, like, putting on eyeshadow. Oh, yeah. 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 And he kept it on because I imagine 
like watching my wife in the evening try to get rid of makeup. Like it's an ordeal to like mm-hmm. wash your face, get rid of that. And he's like, has to hurry up and be Batman real fast. So he was like, splash it on his face. Yeah. And at the end of the night, you can't just like take a shower and like let the yeah. body wash take care of that. Like it, you got to get little pad thingies and little alcoholy <laughs> wipes and you got to have blackheads like crazy. It's in your T-zone. <laughs> but yeah, he just like walked around the house. With his, like, raccoon face. Yeah. He was like, I ain't got time to wash this crap yeah. off. I'm just going to put this thing back on again. And it I was... guess the answer to his long hair being all matted underneath this thing would be to shave his head. And they couldn't shave Robert Pattinson's head. I don't think he could do that. I think he's had a shaved head in some no, movie. No, no. But it, it doesn't mean they should have done that. I don't yeah. know. But cool. Uh, how long yeah. have we been talking? 45. 45. All right. Well, what else? Any here. other uh, current events? Uh, stuff's coming up. Uh, we got lots of lots of current uh, or upcoming uh, Moon Knight. You excited about Moon Knight? I don't know anything about it, so I have no expectations. I'm excited. I don't know anything about the character, but I'm excited about the things I've heard. One of the things that they didn't show all of, I think it was this show. I may be thinking of something else. They didn't show all of the first episode at the screening. Because... Oh, Robert Pattinson with his head shape. Good yeah. job, Anthony. <laughs> oh, and there's him with like a what was that? I don't know I don't what know was happening in the back of his head. We're going to ignore that. Um, I might be thinking of something else, but I was thinking it was about Moon Knight where they didn't show all of the first episode because they didn't want to give away a story, a pretty significant story point. But it may oh. not have been Moon Knight <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, I'm pretty excited about it. It looks like something very different. So uh, I saw the trailer yesterday for Miss Marvel. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It looked like it had elements of um, was it was it the robots versus the Mitchells? Oh, Mitchells versus the machines. Yeah, like it was live action with like comic booky, cartoony stuff splashed yeah. in. I don't know if that was just for the trailer. If that's going to be no, I think thing. I think her character is like she draws comics. Okay, I believe I I don't know much about her, but I, that's what I got from something. But I don't, that one feels like that's probably made for younger people. That show is, which is fun. But I think I'm excited about, like, Moon Knight because it seems like it's not. <laughs> it seems like it's made. You know, like Batman. Like, I got home last night and the kids were like, yeah, can we go see Batman? I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah, so my, my son asked me that same thing. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You don't want to see that. I said, honestly, I don't think you would enjoy it. It was kind of slow. It, it was long. It was kind of long and moved along through a bunch of people getting murdered and was just, like, moving from one thing to another. And they were just kind of like, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound yep. great. It's heavy. Uh, yeah, Moon Knight's coming up. Uh, Doctor Strange. In the it's, it's multiverse in of madness. Yeah, that's in May. That's like right around the corner. I'm still scared. We'll probably record one time between them. <laughs> no way. We have topics. Just we had a topic that we were going to oh, talk yeah, about today, yeah. but I don't think we're going to get to. Do you want to do that now? Do we have time? I don't know. I don't know what all you... Okay, hey, Brandon, sure. you should insert like a, a little, this is a different segment jingle. Like that. Yeah. So the other day, I was on a call, a meeting, with a brand and an ad agency. So there were like 340 people on this call. <laughs> At least. At least. Uh, there were probably 10 or 15 people on this call. And you could only see a couple of video pieces. So I wasn't really sure who all was there. So it was kind of weird from that perspective. It's just I only knew faces of a couple of people. Anyway, so we're talking about this stuff. And uh, they introduced themselves. They were all very, very nice and very encouraging and stuff. And then I went to say to them, this group of people, 
that I had hoped that we would be able to shoot all of the video that they needed in all the different ways. And, and I said, I just want to make sure that we can shoot everything that you guys need. And it was the first time in my entire life, as I was saying you guys to a group of male and female people, that I felt like I, I probably just offended somebody because I called them you guys without even thinking about it, not meaning to. And nobody said anything. It was t- totally fine. But I felt that in the moment, and I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't want to make anybody mad. That wasn't, you know. And then so, like, as I continued on the conversation, I just tried to save you all and whatever. But in the moment, I think it was the first time that that felt like I probably just made somebody uncomfortable or, some, you know, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not at all. But anyway, I told you this, and you had something similar. Yeah, I think first to, to answer that point, uh, or not to answer it because I'm not going to answer it. We have a lady. We can get a lady's opinion. We can, yeah. Resident lady, mm-hmm. is that? <laughs> no one can hear you, so I'm going to relay what you say. Okay. Um, is that a thing that if you were in a mixed group of people, would you take offense to that? Because I'm, I'm, I'm like Bob. I'm kind of hyper vigilant nowadays to things like this, especially because now we have a female employee. Yeah. So we don't want to use very gender specific phrases all the time to be like exclusionary. So is is that are we making more out of it than we should? Both. I think it depends on the context. Okay, mm. she says both. Depends on the context. Can were, you can you give an example? Were you wearing a Hulk Hogan type shirt? <laughs> Do you use you guys? I mm. She uses y'all and not you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So I have tried to use more feminine-based, just benign things. Between us gals, I've tried to say more to try to mix it up a bit because it's just as random as you guys. Mm. Just to make a point. But I don't know. It's something. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a bad thing. Right, because I, I think that there could be members of a of a community that would go like, and this is what's wrong with the world. You should be able to say what you want to say. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I think the idea that you're taking other people's um, emotions and things into consideration when you speak is a healthy human behavior. That's yeah. my hot take. Yeah, I would hope so for anybody. But the thing that I was confronted with was my middle son, who is seven, is the sweetest boy in the whole wide world. Um, I was reading him a book about monster trucks the other day. And I was like, I wonder if there's like a monster truck rally around here anytime. Because I took my older son when he was about that age. And I hopped on Ticketmaster. That, the next day, Monster Jam coming to Louisville. Mm. And he's sitting there with me. He's like, what is Monster Jam? I'm like, monster trucks. Doing backflips. Jumping like four stories in the air. And and it's loud. It's crazy. I'm like, we got to go to this. So he was all excited and he's all hyped. The rest of my family is sick. So me and middle kid, like, we're getting ready to go. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of cold outside. You should go get your jacket. And his jacket's upstairs, and he doesn't want to go upstairs. And so my daughter, who was a year younger than him, was like, oh, you can wear my jacket. It's right there. And it's big and, and comfortable. And it's bright pink. The entire thing is bright pink. He's like, okay, thanks. Like, that was super nice of you to offer my jacket. So he, like, throws on her big bright pink jacket. My blonde-haired boy. And I'm like... You gonna wear you gonna wear a bright pink jacket out mm. out in public? I'm like, why do you care what color jacket he wears? I was like, oh, you're going to a monster truck rally. 
You're going to wear a bright pink jacket to a monster truck rally? I was like, okay. I don't care. Hmm. I don't care what color this jacket is. But part of me wants to really care what color this jacket is. I'm like, you sure? I'm like, your jacket's upstairs. She's like, oh, that's fine. She's being really nice to me. Hmm. And that was the thing is he didn't really explain it. And so like we went to dinner and I'm hyper vigilant now of everybody that my son like walks past him. And so I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't care what my kids are perceived as. I know how amazing they are and I will stick up for them in a, in a moment's yeah. notice. So I am immediately imprinting on anybody that wants to like side eye or like say, blah, 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 blah. like I'm prepared to punch someone in the face because of this pink jacket. And so I'm building this up to yeah. like stand on the hill and defend my kid in his pink jacket because I love them no matter what. And so I'm like in my head having this crazy battle about don't care doesn't matter what color jacket yeah. he wears. doesn't matter if he comes to me later in life and tells me that his life wants to, he wants to live his life his own way. I'm like, I would love my kid no matter what. Because I've been confronted with this. A family member confronted me a long time ago about like, well, what if your kid is gay? Are you going to let him live in your house? And this whole thing. And I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. Hmm. But when presented with the like, yeah, I just want to wear a pink jacket outside. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a girl's jacket. Yeah. I didn't say that. Yeah. I'm like, Okay. Let's yeah. see how this goes. And so the entire night, I'm like, if I was going somewhere and I feel it's 2022, I don't think people care, but we're in the South and some people are going to say some stuff and I want to stick up for my kid because he doesn't care. He is cold. He put a jacket on, which is a win. Yeah. He, he put a jacket on. <laughs> so like the entire evening, like... I'm on edge and I want to punch someone in the face whenever they say something about my son's pink jacket. And no one did. And we had a decent time at the monster truck rally, which made me very uncomfortable. The monster truck rally? Yeah. Because you were on edge? A little bit. Maybe it was a little bit of that, but like the trailing edge of COVID being at a monster truck rally. Oh, yeah. And then he was kind of tired. And so before like the big finale, when stuff gets crazy, he was like, can we go home? I'm like, yep, we can go home. Mm. We're going to beat traffic. I don't have to be around a whole bunch of people who are packed pretty tight in this arena that is in so indoors. Um, I'm ready to punch someone because of this pink jacket. I'm like, sure, buddy, let's just get to getting. And so the whole time, this pink jacket thing was weighing on me. And they're like, no. Yeah. I was like, but no. I was like, but it's, eh. and so I was having this weird dichotomy, but I don't know. That's where I was. Hmm. And I had never been confronted with a situation where I was going to have to like, stick up or act actively against gender norms when I think a thousand percent of that was built up in my mind. Yeah. Cause I asked him on the way home. I'm like, why did you want to wear um, your sister's pink jacket? He's like, well, she was being really nice to me and by letting me wear her jacket. So I wore her jacket. I'm like, Oh, so you just cared that she was caring to you. You don't like yeah. want to start wearing girls clothes or anything. You just wanted to be nice to your sister. I'm like, Right on, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's stuff like that that in the moment, like, we can absolutely start focusing on something about us and miss the thing about them. Yeah, he's just super innocent. Yeah. And kind. And I don't know, like, my older son, I've had more grown up like this. I can kind of see who you're going to be as an adult moments. With my middle son, I haven't. He's always been just this sweet, innocent little kid. 
He's still pretty young. Yeah, I mean, he's seven. Yeah. And so for him, it was one of the like, first times where I'm like, oh, you're going to have to interact with the real world. And I'm going to have to interact with the real world with you. And I'm learning in this moment something that you're completely oblivious to. Yeah. So long story short, some more pink jacket. I didn't get to punch anybody, though. <laughs> well, so to that, I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say anything negative about you having that defensive mechanism at all. But in reality, if you had been confronted by somebody, that would have been the absolute worst example to set for your child. <laughs> like, I understand the impulse. Yeah. But, you know, when we do think about the the lasting stuff that we do in front of our kids, being able to, like, peacefully, like, de-escalate something in relation to them, like putting their safety and their, you know, all that stuff first, mm-hmm. but not in a hyper-aggressive way. I cannot imagine – we were never in this situation in any way whatsoever. But I cannot imagine the difference as a kid looking at my dad, like trying to diffuse something in regard to me versus acting like an animal and just like attacking a person on my behalf. I would be terrified of my dad. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just one of those things. Like there's there's the us thing and there's the them thing. And like our job is to to help them become better versions of us, you know. We're making adults. And, I, yeah, that would be a weird thing to – like to actually be confronted with that. Like how do I, how do I respond yeah. if something – that would be very, very strange. But, you know, I, also I think – I hope – generationally that we're all going to be responding in the based on the stuff that we were brought up with which is what you're talking about i mean like your your response to a pink jacket is what you were brought up with and you know when you look back at generations we hope that each generation goes well i was brought up this way but i realize i can recognize that these parts of it were not the best yeah and so I'm going to do my best. Or, or made no sense. Or, yeah. Or like yeah. we're not valid or whatever. And I'm going to do my best to just let go of the things that I can recognize as not good for the sake of letting my kid learn from that. And the kid's going to grow up with another set of stuff that they're going to have to do the same thing with as an adult. They're going to have to figure out which parts are still okay and which ones are not and which ones they should let go of. And I mean, I hope that happens with every generation, you know. Right. And I guess that was maybe what I was most – not scared, but like nervous for was that he completely did not care. Yeah. And then I cared based on like gender norms and, and tough guy things from my upbringing. Yeah. And if we were to go to, I think any other place other than a monster truck rally, it might not have been so prevalent. Right. Or so forefront. Yeah. But there but was no, no like, cared. yeah, nobody, you didn't yeah. have any kind no of, one a, cared. yeah, that's good. And I, I, I don't know. And after the fact, I went, I should not care if they care. Because at the beginning, I was hyper vigilant on other people's potential reactions because I did not want him to feel bad. I didn't want other people to make him feel bad for his choices. Yeah. And when I say the face punching thing, I'm like, I, I will stick up for him to the, to the bitter end, whatever it happened to be. Yeah. Because I don't want somebody to make him feel less of. Right. Because of whatever, whether he chose to wear a, a 
Pink Jacket where he wants to do whatever he wants to do in life. And that was my main focus instead of not caring. Right. Yeah. And then I went, generationally, I was like, is that the answer? Like if the generation before me was against something and if the generation below me doesn't recognize it exists, I was like, is it my place to not call attention to it? And just because if I'm like, you know what, buddy, you wearing a pink jacket is you you do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like if I brought it up, it would make it a thing. If I just ignored it like right. I did and just had this internal battle and could care less about the color of his jacket, then that generation below me doesn't understand that it's something to even consider. There's a there's a line there that let's make this an extra long episode since we haven't recorded in forever. So I know you have to go. When I was growing up, if I had dated someone of a different race, mm-hmm. in my family, it would not have been a big deal at all. I never did. I didn't ever think about it. I mean, I dated the people I dated. And I didn't really, it, it wasn't a thing. But Which I know. very progressive for your Southern family in the late 80s, early 90s. I guess so. I mean, I've never honestly thought of this place as that Southern, but mm. whatever. Um, but I know other people here, it would have been an issue for. Okay. So, in fact, I dated a girl in high school, a white girl, who we were joking one time. She knew one of the guys in uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, and personally. And so she was joking around. She went to one of their shows. She lived in South Carolina. She went to one of their shows. And I joked about with her about like, oh, man, you better stay away from the, you know, the lead singer guy. Like, you better not steal my girl. And her response was something to the fact of, oh, I would never go with him. He's black. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> and it totally took me off guard because, like, I knew – I guess I knew that was out there, but I didn't know – I didn't know it was her, <laughs> for one. <laughs> and it was, you know, red flag number one of 3,000. But it it really caught me off guard. So fast forward till I have kids in the same place. <sighs> One of my kids started dating somebody of a different race. Awesome. Great person. It was a, a good fit for a little while. Personality was not a great fit long term, but, you know, whatever. And I I was in that same position where I was like, I need to say something that's not like cautionary. That's not don't do this. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not trying to say that. But you need to understand that you will get pushback from people about this. It's wrong. The pushback is not valid. You don't have to listen to it. But you're going to be confronted with people who think differently about something that is okay. And so I kind of went that thing. Like, do I just ignore it and then let that let the kid deal with, you know, stuff? Or do I at least set them up for, look, the world has been this way some. And you're going to, you're going to hear this. You're going to get this. And realize that it's okay. And I went on the I went on the side of I would rather than be prepared for backlash and know that that backlash is not okay. Yeah. Than not be prepared for it and all of a sudden feel like they're doing something wrong that they didn't know was wrong. Right. And I think it worked out. I mean, I think in the case of just having that little conversation, you know, like with all things, we love all people. We're being patient with people who think differently than us. But here's the truth. And I kind of went at it that way. And it was all good, and I think the stuff that they got from it because of it was easier for them to ignore. 
than if they had just been caught off guard. With, Did like, it actually get stuff from? A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Um, not as much as it would have, you know, when we were growing up. Yeah. Um, See, but even in, I mean, living in the panhandle of Florida and the Redneck Riviera, like, one of my best friends growing up was a, a black girl that I had known in the fourth grade. And, like, we're still friends now. And she started dating a friend of mine. Like, we never dated. And it wasn't that, like, we never dated because of some race thing. Like, we never dated because she was, like, a sister to me. Mm. And she started dating a friend of mine. And I don't know if she ever got pushback from her. Like, we never talked about it. And I gave her crap, not because he was a white guy, just because he was, like, a big dork. <laughs> but it, it, I remember growing up, and I remember feeling really bad for her in particular because people would say, that she was the whitest black person that they knew. Hmm. And she never, like, mentioned it. But we went to college together. And I remember thinking, I, I talked to her one time, and she's like, crap, like, that doesn't bother me anymore. She's like, I have to be around all these white people all the time. But I remember thinking in that moment, like, that is a terrible thing to say yeah. to somebody. And it sucks to hear it so much that you wouldn't care about it anymore. And that's, I think, I, I mean, I don't ever want to speak for her, but I remember thinking in the moment... Like, well, yeah, she's, she's, she acts differently than other people of her race. And so uh, just because she acts differently, that makes her the whitest person. Like, I don't know what that meant, but I remember feeling really bad for her, but she never, it never seemed to phase her yeah. e externally. Right. But I think what you're talking about, like preparing, preparing your son and your son is significantly older than my pink jacketed middle son. Like letting people know, like, this is something that you're going to be presented with. How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about their potential backlash? I'm like, well, it's kind of dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it, exactly. It doesn't make sense. And there's people in the world that have hangups that are based on nothing, but they're deep rooted and they're going to pass it down to their kids. So even though it doesn't make sense to you, that's because it wasn't passed down from my generations. That's not the same with every family. Yeah. Right. And so there's going to be not just this particular instance of dating a girl, but a lot of things in life where people have deep-seated convictions that are only based on family lineage. And yeah. even then, it was probably really loosely tied anyway. Yeah. And I think you did. I actually would have done the exact same thing that you did. I would have prepared them. Because this is some backlash you're going to face. And it's based in nothing. Yeah, but right. Yeah. Ignorance and hate from a long time ago. But I think in general, I guess the reason I brought that up was to encourage, like, if something like that were to happen again with your kid, I think if you're around, that defense mechanism of I can stand up for you in the moment is one thing. That's our uh, job, yeah. right? But if you're not around in a, a relationship or a, you know, a school situation or whatever, I think I've leaned more on the let's, let's have a conversation and prepare you for what might be and set the ground rules as to like this is right, this is wrong – Take that knowledge with you as you go into whatever. Um, do you? I I guess with my son, I, I mean, you've you've had more scenarios to have these conversations than I have. But I try to. I'll present my son with this. Like we've had to talk about drugs and alcohol. Not that he's been presented with drugs and alcohol, but he, he sees me having a beer, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Why are you drinking a beer?" Like, because yeah. I want to drink a beer. And so then it opens. And he asked me later on, he's like, well, why do people drink alcohol if it's just going to make them act stupid? I'm like, that's a fine question. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I try to ask him a lot of questions 
and present him with scenarios. And I'm like, well, what do you, if I were to present you, like oh, we were talking about the drugs and alcohol conversation. I'm like, you're going to be somewhere in life where someone's going to try to get you to take drugs and drink alcohol. Well, I'm just going to say no. I'm like, okay, well, you say that now and hooray because I'm your dad and blah, blah. I'm like, but one day you're you're not. Or, I, I mean, it that's up to you to make that decision. Like, here's my stance on it, but you're your own person. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide why. Because if if it's just the say no to drugs mantra over and over and over and over and over again, that's only going to get so far. Yeah. Until you have to decide within your own construct why you choose not to do a thing. And then when you have, like, you know, with an 11-year-old talking about alcohol, I'm like, you have no frame of reference. I was like, so don't be so hard-lined. Because, I mean, hooray. I yeah. hope that carries. But if it doesn't, you need to know why you don't do a thing. Right. And I try to be as honest as I can with my kids for that reason, so that they, they can know why they want to say no. Mm-hmm. And not so that someone who's louder than me in the moment wins just because their argument is louder. And I think back in the same situation with the people giving your your son grief about his girlfriend, if that's the very first time that they're hearing something about it, having no backstory about why that thinking is wrong could be that very primal, like the very first time he hears like, oh, is this wrong? Yeah. What I'm doing might right. be wrong. Is there something that is actually inherently dangerous or scary or whatever about what I'm choosing to do? And that influence is being cast by someone who is ignorant and not by someone who is based in love. Yeah. So I think absolutely preparing your kids are not like running scenarios or trying some right. weird, like yeah. leaping out of the, the shadow or high or hiring somebody with a mask just to see if your kids can defend themselves. Like not that far. <laughs> but Although. <laughs> you can vent on me. And <laughs> but uh, being a parent is insane. Yeah. And. This is one of those, like, the pink jacket thing is so stupid. But it was not stupid in the moment. And, like, I, I saw it on my wife's face, too. Like, she didn't know what to do. And she was caught off guard by the, like, why do you want to wear a pink jacket? I'm like, I honestly do not care. Yeah. Once I stopped and thought about it. And then, yeah, like you're saying, I, I rather than being, like, a just a loving, kind of comforting person who's just going to go do a thing and not to bring attention to it, I was on edge as if I had to protect him against all of the, the misogynistic, like, buttholes yeah. of the world. I thought we're going to come out of the woodwork like zombies yeah. and attack my poor blonde-headed boy for wearing a pink jacket. Well, I think... That's absolutely it, not the case, which, in, was a, which is a win. Yeah, in any scenario, you're always going to have those, like, well, it's probably going to be this bad, and so, we're, you know, we're going to overthink any of it. I mean, even in the situation I was talking about, I'm sure that I was expecting it to be worse than it was. Yeah. I, I don't really know, but um, I, I think it's... I think it's our job to to lay groundwork. I, I've probably told this story before, but one time I was on a plane going to Seattle. I talked about this? I don't know. I was sitting next to this pastor, and we started talking about Star Wars. Oh, I heard a little bit of it. And uh, he, we just started talking about kids and everything, and we were talking about faith. And I, I told him that, you know, the age of my kids, this was several years ago. I was like, yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to push them into faith. I mean, I want them to I want them to own it. I want it to be real for them, and I, I will... You know, we try to teach them and, and all that stuff, but I want it. I'm not trying to push them. I kind of made the point that I was just really not trying to push them. And he basically told me that he had a son who was, uh, I don't know, 18, 19 or something at the time. 
and just totally turned his back on the family and the church and just went the opposite direction in every way. And he barely has any contact with this kid. He can't, he can't reach him like from a personal level. He just can't – like the kid won't let him be his dad anymore. Hmm. And he's trying to figure that out while also trying to plan a church and invest in a community that is – where they are was very, very counter to what the church is as far as like being open and being – you know, it's just – it was a – Sounded like a really hard place to be. And his advice at the time was, you have your kid's attention for this much time. Like yeah. it's a very short amount of time. And they're not looking for you to be their friend. They're not looking for you to just feed them. They have to learn everything from you. And they're learning everything so that eventually they cannot have to learn from you as much. And they go off and they make their own decisions and everything. And so his point was, that they need you to teach them. They need you to give them every bit that you have to give them. And he was talking specifically about faith. He was like, don't, don't just like let them figure it out. Teach them. And then when they leave the house or when they get old enough to understand, then they can decide to let it go if they don't want it. Yeah. But he was like, you're not doing them a favor by just like keeping it around the house and seeing if they get into it. It's not that. You know, it's like you – you have to actively help these kids become who you think they need to be, and then who they are different from that will come out on its own if if they're different, you know. And it was a really good conversation. It was a really strange conversation to have on a plane. That's a, that's a pretty <laughs> deep single-serving conversation. Yeah. Um, but it, it gave me kind of a different perspective on, like, I've got to pass this stuff on to them. Like, I, it, and they can do with it what they want to. Right. I'm not going to force them to be anything, but – if I, out of like the whole political correctness thing or trying to be, you know, let everybody be everything they want to be, if I take that in as a, as a way to neglect passing on information and preparation to kids, I'm not helping them. Yeah. And so that, that whole thing changed kind of how I, I looked at faith with the kids specifically. And then when it came to this social stuff about what they're going to deal with, with people that think differently than them. I think that's important too. So, but I don't know. We're honestly, we're just at the beginning of the teenage years. So man, we have a lot more of that coming up. <laughs> I'm not, my son's almost 12 and oh boy, I don't think I'm going to make it. Yeah, you'll make it. Luckily it doesn't all happen at once. It's a, it's a slow burn, but he's been burning for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Has been burning for a minute. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Josh underscore make stuff. You can find all of us, including Megan, at I like to make stuff on all the stuff on all the social networks. Uh, big thanks to the Maker Alliance, mm -hmm. who we've talked about before. Uh, we won't give her the whole spiel, but they're awesome. And we're glad they're around. And a lot of them were asking where the show was, and now they know where the show is. And we will do try our best to do better to record on a more regular basis. And yeah, you got there's normally else? fly uh, like links. If you want to find out more about the Maker Alliance, oh, usually yeah. on screen for those of you who are watching, go to I like to make slash join, and you can figure out how to become a part of the Maker Alliance. There are big things happening in the <laughs> <Yeah>. Maker Alliance. <laughs> yeah. 
big, like, gathering summer camp event type things that the Maker Alliance are putting on themselves. It is fantastic. Um, I highly recommend, if you like, I like to make stuff, go give the Maker Alliance a look because it mm. is an amazing community full of very supportive and awesome people who are doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Who are not just, like, fanboys of a thing that they found on the internet. They Fan people. Fan peoples. Thank you. Oh, I learned nothing. Uh, I know. Thanks, Bob. It's tough. Anyway, go check them out. It is yeah. very cool. And thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.